Hey, this is Don Nyam, a.k.a. Stingray, from the movie Undefeatable, and you're listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. When a governor's son is held hostage by ruthless bandits, it's up to a skilled constable known as the Golden Swallow to get him back or die trying. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and in this episode, we kick back with an influential classic as I invite you to come drink with me. Come Drink With Me is a 1966 Shaw Brothers wuxia film directed by King Hu that stars Cheng Pei Pei and Yu Hua. According to Wikipedia, it's widely considered one of the best Hong Kong films ever made and was selected as the Hong Kong entry for the best foreign language film at the 39th Academy Awards, but wasn't nominated. If you're new to the genre, wuxia films are a subgenre of kung fu cinema that usually focused on an epic hero's journey and had a more lyrical, poetic flow to it rather than the in-your-face martial arts action flicks of later Shaw Brothers efforts. This film's original Chinese title is actually Big Drunken Hero. If you've seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, then you've seen the one wuxia film that most successfully resonated with mainstream Western audiences. If you see some familiar beats and come drink with me, it's not by coincidence, as this film served as heavy inspiration for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. In fact, this film pioneered much of the look and feel of kung fu movies going forward, from cinematography to staging to fight choreography. I'll go on record though, and I know I'm in the minority here, but I will watch Come Drink With Me over Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon any day. Yeah, I said it. Now, if you've only seen the Rock'em Sock'em hyperdynamic kung fu action flicks, the fights in this movie will seem like a complete 180 because director King Hu went for a more stylized presentation of fighting, which is more tuned to dance rather than actual martial arts combat. In fact, he deliberately chose a ballet dancer in Cheng Pei Pei for the lead role rather than looking for an accomplished martial artist in order to better convey that direction. Don't give it short shrift though, because King Hu does as much at tension building with calculated stillness as he does with graceful fluid, nicely paced swordplay. The movie opens up with a small garrison of troops marching along a hillside. They're transporting prisoners in what has to be some of the most uncomfortable prisoner contraptions ever. Mind you, this is set in the Ming Dynasty, so there aren't any paddy wagons around, but these poor guys are sitting akimbo in a wooden crate that's barely bigger than they are with their heads poking through a hole in the top. I guess it's the ancient Chinese version of a in the box. Anyway, a lone figure dressed all in white and sporting a very pasty complexion stops the convoy with some important business. I have a letter for Master Chang. Very well. Wait here! The letter is a request to free the captive leader of the Five Tigers gang, represented by this lone guy, Jade-Faced Tiger. Naturally, Master Chang thinks this is stuff and nonsense, so he sends his soldier to bring Jade-Faced Tiger to him. As JFT starts walking, the soldier whips out his sword and is about to cut him down when JFT, without even looking back, brings his fan to his shoulder and fires a dart from it that hits the soldier right in his chest. The other soldiers advance on Jade-Faced Tiger, but as they do so, a bunch of arrows rain down from above, and the soldiers scan the hilltops just to find that Jade-Faced Tiger did not come alone. Members of the Five Tigers gang charge the soldiers, and we get to see how ruthless these guys are as they hack and slash their way through the troops. One gang member hacks off a soldier's hand and relishes his trophy for just a moment before chucking it away and going in to get some more kills. Another soldier stays behind, afraid of protect Master Chang, and he's the one that Jade-Faced Tiger advances on after most of the killing has already gone down. JFT is as skilled a swordsman as he is a fan-dart-thingy shooter, and he shows off just how cruel he is when he has the soldier disarmed and up against the tip of his sword. 
With a smile on his face, he very deliberately pushes his sword into the soldier's neck and proceeds to abduct Master Chang. The gang takes Master Chang to their HQ and string him up while they lay out their demands. They want their leader released in exchange for the safe return of Master Chang. Chang, however, is resolute. He refuses to beg the governor, who happens to be his father, even if it might cost him his life. Jade-Faced Tiger is not convinced of Chang's bravery or of his father's steel will, so he sends a letter to the governor and gives him five days to acquiesce to their demands or he will execute his beloved son and burn down his house and family. Some of the gang members warn Jade-Faced Tiger that there might be a little bit more trouble than they know. Don't forget about Golden Swallow! He could really wreck things! Apparently, Golden Swallow handed the gang a stern beating during a previous encounter. Jade-Faced Tiger has never heard of him, but looks forward to crossing paths. We cut to an area outside of town as Golden Swallow himself arrives. So, quick point of order here. Golden Swallow is obviously very much a woman, as played by Cheng Pei Pei here, but in the world of the film, the legend of Golden Swallow is such that as a constable for the governor, a role which is traditionally occupied by a man, no one thinks twice about a woman possibly filling that position. So, while it's a massive stretch for us viewers, everyone just accepts that Golden Swallow is a guy at first. This is also a reflection of that particular era of filmmaking in China because women were the driving force behind the starring roles in many kung fu flicks and women sometimes had to play male roles so audiences didn't bat an eye to this seemingly glaring oversight. In the commentary for this film, Cheng Pei Pei even mentions that director King Hu was a little nervous about this film because there was only one female lead to focus on. Golden Swallow grabs a seat in a local restaurant and orders some food. As we scan the restaurant, we see that several members of the Five Tigers gang are already there lying in wait. Smiling Tiger, the gang's lieutenant to Jade-Faced Tiger, flashes a sign and the gang members start getting into position and unsheathing their weapons quietly. Several of the regular patrons begin to scatter as they realize what's going on. Golden Swallow is anything but ignorant to this fact as she takes notice of the less than subtle machinations going on around her and steals herself for confrontation, but still plays it cool as ice. Waiter, what's taking so long? Uh, coming! As the waiter brings over some wine, Smiling Tiger rushes over and pours. He asks Golden Swallow what brings him to town. Golden Swallow replies that he's there on business for the governor, and more specifically, he's there to see him. You know me? You're Smiling Tiger, right? Yes, that's right. They go through a quarter to exchange over the terms of their hostage negotiation while they size each other up. Smiling Tiger tries to play it tough, until Golden Swallow drops another interesting tidbit about Master Chang. You're toying with the life of the governor's son. He's also my brother. Smiling Tiger steps away from the negotiating table, and when his thugs ask what the next play is, he responds by snapping a set of chopsticks in two. One smug knucklehead signals for one of his cohorts to bring over a jug of wine. The cohort takes a large jug and hurls it at Golden Swallow. Now using just a set of chopsticks, Golden Swallow redirects the full jug away from her into the lap of another thug, toppling him and breaking his bench. When he gets up, after being shown up, he reaches into his robes and pulls out a handful of coins which he whips at Golden Swallow. She, without so much as a flinch, waves a single chopstick through the air and threads each of the coins onto it, stunning the onlookers. Still looking to flex their thug muscles, another guy threatens Golden Swallow with a bench and tosses at her, but just like the jug of wine, Golden Swallow easily deflects it and sends it crashing into the wine jug. Not yet quite convinced of Golden Swallow's skills, two more thugs step up with another test. They each grab a handful of coins and from behind Golden Swallow, they toss the coins into the air. She tosses three chopsticks up after them and spears them all neatly through the holes in the middle of the coins, then whips out a fan which cleanly collects the falling coins as they slip off the chopsticks. One of the guys asks for his money back, so Golden Swallow obliges and tosses the coins towards the wall with such force that they embed themselves right into the stone.
What is the Pottern family? Hey, y'all. It's Juliette Miranda from the Unwritable Rant Podcast. This is Michael Vasquez of the No Sound Bites Allowed Podcast. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob from the Something Something Cast. This is Knock from the Geek Ogre Podcast. This is Jeff with the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. This is Daniel from the Toe on the Trigger Podcast. This is Dave from the Parlapod Podcast. Hey guys, this is Mike from the Mike Jolet Show. Woo! We're Josh and David from the Scotch and Flicks Podcast. We are you, podcasters coming together in a community to help one another grow. So follow us on Twitter at Podern Family. Use the hashtag Podern Family in your tweets and retweet other people who do the same. Potter Family, where great podcasts come home. Apparently, it was this move that finally confirms Golden Swallow's identity to Smiling Tiger. By the way, at this point in the English dub, everyone now just accepts that Golden Swallow is a woman and begins referring to her with the correct pronouns. In the original Chinese, they don't acknowledge that she's a woman until a bit later in the film. It's her. Golden Swallow is my name. Smiling Tiger wants to keep talking business, and Golden Swallow obliges, though it's not quite what Smiling Tiger had in mind. Give me Chang and surrender to me right now, and I'll talk to the governor. I'll make sure he's lenient with you. Of course, the gang laughs this off and insists that they're going to take Golden Swallow to see Jade Face Tiger. Golden Swallow isn't having any of it, though, and confidently sits back down at a table to finish her wine. Smiling Tiger flashes another signal and the gang begins to close in on Golden Swallow. As one thug is locking the door to the inn, he inadvertently slams it shut on a beggar's fingers. The beggar, just trying to find some wine for the evening, talks his way into the inn so long as he doesn't get in the way. As the gang circles Golden Swallow, Smiling Tiger goes to settle the bill with the innkeeper. I want to pay that lady's bill. <laughs> She'll be too dead to pay. Fight scene. Golden Swallow makes a move to drink her wine when she suddenly tosses the drink over her shoulder into the face of an advancing bandit. She reaches into her boots for her signature weapons, two short swords, and proceeds to show off why she's such a feared warrior. She slashes her way through some thugs, wounding their hands and disarming them. Cheng Pei Pei flashes some fierce side-eye in these scenes and it became a trademark look for her in future films. Instead of the high-octane exchange of steel that you might be used to seeing, Golden Swallow uses an economy of motion to cut through the thugs and purposefully and deliberately stride past them while holding them at bay with just her gaze. Several thugs come after her, but they're met with the same balletic swordplay, which leave their hands maimed and bloody. The thugs hop onto the tables and regroup to try another attack while Golden Swallow holds her ground and gets ready. The gang all lunge forward at once, and Golden Swallow uncorks a furious whirlwind of swordplay as she deflects all the blades thrown her way. She's as cool as the other side of the pillow through it all, though, and emerges unscathed while the gang all wind up nursing wounds to their hands and guts. Another guy perched on the second floor of the inn gets a signal from Smiling Tiger and he readies some darts. The drunken beggar takes this opportunity to step to Golden Swallow and introduce himself to her. He does so in such a way that she's forced to toss him out of her way, which coincidentally moves her out of the path of the thrown darts. She answers back with a dart of her own that finds its mark in the lieutenant's hand. What a close call that was! Smiling Tiger, having just seen his gang get laid out, steps up to test his steel against Golden Swallow. They have a quick exchange and Golden Swallow deftly sidesteps a clumsy attack, then counters with a slash that cuts Smiling Tiger's hand and shears off a piece of his fancy hat. Instead of pressing the attack, Golden Swallow defiantly steps back and orders herself a room for the night, all the while never taking her eyes off of Smiling Tiger. She also orders two horses for herself in anticipation of a successful mission, which she voices out loud for Smiling Tiger to hear. Buy me two horses with what's left. Oh. When I leave here, I won't be alone. Uh-huh. Understood? Yeah. Smiling Tiger begs to differ, but Golden Swallow shuts him down and pays no mind to his ultimatum, instead walking up and into her room as if daring the gang to come up after her. 
Later at the gang's headquarters, the maimed and bandaged up thugs are commiserating with Jade Face Tiger. Despite seeing the damage she's done, JFT is confident that they'll show her who's boss soon enough. While the gang sits down to eat, the monk in charge of the temple where they're staying tries to convince them to not cause any trouble, or else he'll get an earful from the abbot when he returns. Jade-Faced Tiger is curious about the return of the abbot when, without warning, he turns and launches a dart through the door at the shadow of an eavesdropper just outside. The unwitting victim turns out to be a junior monk from the temple who let his curiosity get the better of him. Unfortunately, the dart lodges itself in the poor kid's eye, and he's left to writhe around on the ground outside, clutching his bleeding eye socket. The monk rushes to his side and pulls the dart out, begging for help to stop the bleeding. Smiling Tiger informs him that it wouldn't help because of the poison on the dart. When the monk asks for the antidote, JFT dispatches one of his thugs to administer the antidote to the dying kid. The thug walks over, tosses the monk aside, and stabs the kid without a second thought. Jade-Faced Tiger tells the monk that it's a warning, and then sends out some men to go back after Golden Swallow and bring her to their headquarters. Promo! Sushi Jackknife is a weekly show about depressed children's characters, dead soul of my mother that lives in the moon, and uh, <laughs> an apathetic Jorge shook his head no and walked off. Christmas Tuba Man. You've been brought here on a mission of the most high import Tuba Man. Planets of Miserable Slugs. So on this giant slug planet, I can't get over this idea. Giant slug planet. I, I, I really, there's one musical slug, just one? Just one. Just one? Yeah. And do his song for me and he day? And he just, he only plays it to torment the other slug. Super Bananas from the past. He's a super banana from the past. He's from the past. He went to the future, but he's from the past. Walmart haiku. At last, dreams come true. Bullets, hot pockets, nose spray, all in the same place. (laughs) Original games. Number two. Yes. Who said it? Garrison Keillor or Lil Wayne. Uh Uh-huh. A girl in a bikini is like having a loaded pistol on your coffee table. There's nothing wrong with them, but it's hard to stop thinking about it. That's Lil Wayne. No, dude. It's Garrison Keillor! Sushi Jackknife is over 50 episodes strong and as binge-worthy as The Vicar of Dibley. No one knows what that is. You're, you're right. I mean... No one knows. I mean, I know what it is. Is it, it necessary that people know what it is? Well, I mean, you just referenced an obscure British sitcom that no one watched. I mean, I watched it. You are literally... The, <laughs> the people on the show didn't watch it. Yeah. Anyway. The opening was a hymn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like a lot of people know about hymns. No, but... I, no one cares. <laughs> okay. Well, if you want, if it like comes around, like listen to Sushi Jackknife. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and whatever the fuck else. Yeah. Yeah. We exist. It's a podcast. That's At the inn, Golden Swallow is preparing for bed and stowing her swords under her pillow when she gets an unexpected visitor from the drunken beggar. He stumbles in and tries to convince her to let him stay in her room since his room has a leak. Golden Swallow is perturbed and chases him around the room to get him to leave. The drunk shambles around and eventually leaves, but as Golden Swallow sits back down to gather her senses, she reaches under her pillow only to find that her swords have been stolen. No doubt, by that drunk. She steps out of her room to find the drunk sitting at a table below. She drops down from above and flips over to the beggar, but just as she closes in on him, he turns and flips up to the landing where she just was. We get a game of cat and mouse as Golden Swallow chases after the drunk who has since hopped out of her window onto the nearby rooftops. Golden Swallow hops out after him and here's a rooftop chase sequence that might look familiar to you Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon fans. Eventually, the drunk leaves Golden Swallow's things at a bridge for her to reacquire. She's leery, but she grabs her stuff and heads back to the inn. When she gets to her room, 
She hears some rustling and spots some thugs climbing into her window and attempting to abduct her. She scares them off and realizes that without the drunk's meddling, she might have been taken hostage herself. The next morning, the drunk is putting on a straight-up musical showcase with some street urchins for the end patrons. So, King Hu here wanted to try and capture the spirit of Peking Opera in this movie, and that meant bringing in some musical elements to break up the story. Might seem a bit strange, but there's a purpose, so hang in there. As Drunken Cat is sitting down to order some food with his street urchin buddies, Golden Swallow stops by to thank him for drawing her out of her room, and thus avoiding the intruders. The drunk, who identifies himself as Drunken Cat, plays it off like he doesn't know what he's talking about, and laughs her off. As Golden Swallow sits off to the side to reflect, Drunken Cat comes over to ask for some money. Golden Swallow is more than happy to oblige, but Drunken Cat insists on earning it by singing a song with his street troupe. However, the song he sings isn't just any old tune. The lyrics of the song talk about a gang hiding away on a mountaintop, and how a single swallow should fly there to do what has to be done. Golden Swallow understands the message and asks Drunken Cat for his help, but again, he plays ignorant. I just need some advice. Won't you help me? <laughs> how? I can barely help myself. There's another musical interlude as Drunken Cat returns to his table to sing another melancholy song. As Golden Swallow listens to the tune while walking back to her room, she pieces together some of the lyrics and decodes it as a clue which points to the mountain temple. The next day, Golden Swallow, now fully revealed as a woman, makes her way to the temple to offer prayers. Waiting there for her, though, is Jade-Faced Tiger himself. <laughs> Foolish. What's the point of praying to a phony sculptor like this Buddha statue? Worship a living god like me! Jade-Faced Tiger puts on the full court press and basically hits on Golden Swallow with a high creep factor, which Golden Swallow doesn't quite appreciate. But it's just a ploy as several members of the gang stop her from leaving the temple. Fight scene. Golden Swallow reaches into her boots and pulls out her swords as she gets surrounded by about a dozen thugs. Jade-Faced Tiger signals for the doors to be shut as the thugs start advancing. Golden Swallow again works her sword-wielding magic by dancing her way through the attacks. She moves smoothly and effortlessly through the blades while her opponents all come off as clumsy and off-balance. Jade-Faced Tiger steps in, and Golden Swallow realizes who she's dealing with. You're Jade-Faced Tiger. <laughs> now let's go have a little chat, shall we? What's the point of talking with the Prince of Lies? Fight scene. Jade-Faced Tiger grabs a sword and goes one-on-one -on -one with Golden Swallow for a bit, and then allows his goons to bum-rush her at the altar. The short sword tornado comes out again and sends the bulk of the thugs sprawling. When an open window provides a quick escape, Golden Swallow takes the leap and takes the fight to the temple courtyard. Here we get a long shot of Golden Swallow taking on several gang members at a time. The fight staging is very deliberate, but Cheng Pei Pei manages to infuse a ton of intensity into her movements, often with just her face alone. Jade-Faced Tiger again steps in after watching some of his gang take a fall. He and Swallow go one-on-one -on -one and manage to land some impressive cuts on each other. Jade-Faced Tiger is able to disarm Golden Swallow of one of her swords, but off in the wings, Drunken Cat has made his way to the fight as well. From the shadows, he disrupts the battle and aids Golden Swallow by tripping up Jade-Faced Tiger and returning her sword to her with no one knowing any better. Golden Swallow tries for a quick retreat by scaling the temple walls like Spider-Man, only to have archers train on her. Again, Drunken Cat lends a hand by distracting the archers just enough to force a miss. Jade-Faced Tiger, however, doesn't miss with his poison dart, which he launches into Golden Swallow's shoulder. <laughs> she will fall soon. Then we'll just search the woods for her body and bring it back here. Golden Swallow bolts through the forest as the poison slowly starts to work its way into her body. With the gang in hot pursuit, she creates a bit of misdirection and takes off only to pass out cold in a clearing. When she wakes up, she finds herself in a small hut, the dart removed, but still suffering from the effects of the poison. In the background, we see that Drunken Cat was her rescuer. Golden Swallow is less than appreciative, though. You... you sent me out to that temple. You tried to kill me. That doesn't sound too good. 
A cool and collected drunken cat offers her some advice, basically calling her reckless for trying to rush in and just fighting things out. He busies himself preparing some medicine for her, but the last thing she wants is his help. Unfortunately for her, the poison is too strong, and she passes out again. This time, Drunken Cat is there to catch her fall. Literally. Are you afraid of what goes bump in the night? Have you or your friends ever pondered a conspiracy? Do you want to know more about the unknown? If so, then put on your tinfoil hat, sit down, and pick up your computer, tablet, or phone. Go to iTunes or YouTube and search for Secret Transmission Podcast and listen to us try to explain the unexplainable. Follow us on Twitter for updates on shows. At Secret Trans Pod. That's S-E-C-R-E-T-T-R-A-N-S-P-O-D. Or you can email us suggestions at secrettransmission at hotmail.com. That's S-E-C-R-E-T-T-R-A-N-S-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at hotmail.com. Back at the temple, the gang is wondering why they couldn't find her body. Jade-Faced Tiger is livid with his gang's performance. He sends some guys out to find her with the caveat that they not return empty-handed. Meanwhile, Drunken Cat is laying out the only option for Golden Swallow to rid her body of the poison. I'm sorry, but there's no other way. I'm afraid I'm going to have to suck the poison out. Sorry, totally unnecessary and juvenile. Anyway, the next day, as Drunken Cat is feeding Golden Swallow, they're visited by the thugs sent out by Jade-Faced Tiger. They do their best to abduct Golden Swallow, but they weren't expecting to come face-to-face with the kung fu mastery of Drunken Cat. While cradling Golden Swallow, Drunken Cat is able to fight off his attackers with just one hand. The stunned thugs don't back off, even though they just got collectively pasted. They slowly advance again, and Drunken Cat does his best to warn them off. You must be tired of living. Using just his green bamboo cane, Drunken Cat strikes, slaps, and swipes his way through the small gang, using their own weapons on them, and cuts them down all while barely breaking a sweat. Golden Swallow awakens just in time to witness this, and hobbles over in admiration and respect, then drops to her knees as a student might to honor her teacher. Sorry, totally uncalled for. The next morning, Drunken Cat and his street urchin buddies haul a wagon of corpses over to the temple as a message to the gang. Drunken Cat again plays things off like he's ignorant, and tells the tale of seeing the guys fighting an incredibly skilled woman. Those men were fighting this girl. She was great. She really let those guys have it. She sent all those guys to heaven. Or hell. Jade-Faced Tiger presses him for more info, and learns that Golden Swallow would come find him when she needed to. Jade-Faced Tiger holds Drunken Cat at the temple, hoping to draw Golden Swallow to them instead. While being held captive, Drunken Cat finds a way to slip the poison dart out of Jade-Faced Tiger's fan while making small talk with his captors. He learns that the abbot of the temple is making his way there to join the gang for some reason. Moments later, we meet this abbot, who we learn is the big boss behind the gang, as he is inspecting the corpses with Jade-Faced Tiger. In a show of phenomenal mystic kung fu power, the abbot opens one of the caskets by simply hitting the top of it, causing the lid to split down the middle and fall away. As he inspects the corpse, he makes an observation. Golden Swallow didn't kill him. He then asks about Drunken Cat, and reveals that he's been looking for him for a long time. The abbot goes on to explain how Drunken Cat is actually a former classmate of his, and is actually a great kung fu master, second only to his own skill. Years ago, when our master died, Drunken Cat stole his prized possession, a bamboo pole. He betrayed both of us. And then he began his own school. The elders ordered me to find him and kill him. Hey guys, this is Bill. This is Phineas. And together, we're the Tattooed Bananas. We do a comedy podcast, and on our comedy podcast, we talk about all kinds of wacky crap. Like... Nutscaping. I'll tuck you in tonight. Turning your funeral into a funeral. Can I have an ice pop? Can I have a candy? Dick fishing. Furniture banging. 
and so much more. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and connect with us with the Potter and Family hashtag on Twitter. Yeah, don't forget to check out the Instagram. Throw a bag of bagels at someone's head. Learning that he's a captive there, the abbot orders that he be taken to Drunken Cat immediately. In the room where Drunken Cat was being held, the group walks in to find the two captors asleep and Drunken Cat gone. Back at Drunken Cat's hideaway, Golden Swallow is preparing a meal as Drunken Cat is meditating. As she walks over to get him, she witnesses Drunken Cat manipulating what looks like a tiny tornado in his hands. The force of the tornado is parting a waterfall that sits across from him. He's deep in concentration as the winds continue to part the falls. An amazed Golden Swallow goes over and watches intently as he directs the wind over and across the falls with great effort. When he finally releases control, the falls quiet down, but Drunken Cat looks spent. Now it's Golden Swallow's turn to play nurse as she notices that Drunken Cat has been on edge and weary lately, having had to help her all this time. As they sit down to eat, Drunken Cat takes the opportunity to show off some of his training, Luke and Yoda style. He asks Golden Swallow to throw a large rock at him, which he splits easily using a bit of magic and his chi power. He catches boulder after boulder on nothing but his fingertips, and we can see that it takes a toll on him. Here, Drunken Cat reveals what's weighing on him so heavily, and it has to do with the abbot. No, you don't understand. We were once friends. But he wanted our master's heirloom, a bamboo pole. He killed our master in cold blood. The next time that we meet, only one will live. Ah. He's further conflicted by the fact that the abbot was the one who took him in and gave him refuge ten years prior, when he was a homeless orphan. It was the abbot that convinced their master to take Drunken Cat on as a student. Golden Swallow can only empathize and feel sorry for Drunken Cat, and decides that she should handle this on her own. But Drunken Cat isn't out of it just yet. He formulates a plan that involves Golden Swallow temporarily releasing the Five Tigers leader, despite the lack of authority to do so. Drunken Cat goes on to summit with the Tigers gang and offers a straight-up exchange of their leader for the governor's son. They negotiate a meeting at a mountaintop location. On his way back from the meeting, he runs into his former classmate, the Abbot. And there's no love lost between the two. You look good for a filthy beggar. <laughs> Better an honest beggar than a devil masquerading as a monk. <laughs> the pair air their grievances like it's Festivus, and it all culminates in the understanding that they're going to fight, and one of them is going to die. Drunken Cat asks for three days to settle his affairs with Golden Swallow. The abbot mocks him, but grants him the three days rest. Three days later at the mountaintop rendezvous, Master Chang is being exchanged for the Tiger's leader. Golden Swallow is present with an Amazon army of her own. What goes unnoticed is that under the leader's cart is Drunken Cat himself, poised to strike. He quickly and efficiently dispatches the thugs trying to open the prisoner hold, disarms another of his sword, and snaps it in half using just his hands. He then kicks the prisoner cart back down the hill to awaiting Golden Swallow. Needless to say, the Tiger Gang are displeased with his betrayal, but they don't opt to kill him there on the spot. Smiling Tiger actually holds his guys back from trying to cut Drunken Cat down. While Golden Swallow's convoy heads down the mountain path with their cargo, we see why the Tiger Gang was so eager to let Drunken Cat off the hook. They've hustled into position ahead of the convoy and start raining arrows and boulders down on the traveling party. A few moments later, at another clearing, Golden Swallow and another soldier are strategizing when they're set upon by a large group of sword-wielding thugs. Fight scene. This is a big juicy sword battle with soldiers and thugs and Amazons all getting into the mix. Before you can blink, though, the thugs have cut down a number of soldiers while the Amazons circle the wagons and prepare to fend off the horde. In some commentary on the DVD, Cheng Pei Pei mentioned that this was King Hu's nod to any of his audience who would be looking for more female warriors, and they certainly do come to play. The action isn't frenetic by any stretch, but it's beautifully presented with the Amazons more than holding their own against the brutish thugs. Golden Swallow again coolly cuts her way through the criminals without any issue. Until that is, Jade-Faced Tiger and Smiling Tiger decide to get into it too. 
They decide to gang up on her with another lieutenant, so it's a three-on-one sword fight and everyone takes a few cuts. Jade-Faced Tiger actually disarms Golden Swallow momentarily, but she leaps up into the air and in the same motion draws her daggers out of her boots and slices them down Jade-Faced Tiger's back. Smiling Tiger and the other lieutenant aren't let off so easily as they each take a dagger to the belly. A reeling Jade-Faced Tiger tries a hasty retreat but gets disarmed himself. When he falls back on his signature dart fan, he realizes that it's empty and he's SOL. He runs and is saved from the stabbing death only by the abbot himself. Well, aren't you the feisty one? And you're bloodthirsty as well! Golden Swallow tries her best to strike down the abbot, but his superior kung fu makes him invulnerable to her blades. He disarms her all too easily, and as she stumbles, he tosses his dagger right at her heart. Just as the tip of the blade is about to pierce her, another sword stops it mid-flight and redirects it. The sword, of course, is wielded by Drunken Cat. Fight scene. So, remember that tornado palm hurricane fist thing that Drunken Cat was doing at the waterfalls? It's about to come in real handy. The Abbot also has the same ability, and they trade blows for a bit. Oh man, the puns just keep on coming, before resorting to the good old-fashioned steel. But just when Junkin' Cat has the Abbot at the end of his blade, he hesitates for just a moment, allowing the Abbot to try and talk his way out of it. But Junkin' Cat is prepared. Now listen. I may have owed you because you saved me, so I'll spare you. Now we are even. I owe you nothing. And if it's my misfortune to see you again, then my sword won't be so merciful. We clear? The two part ways as Drunken Cat retreats to his waterfall hideaway with a look of deep regret etched on his face. It turns out to be fully warranted when, from the shadows, the Abbot attacks. Final fight. The Abbot tries some thrown darts and stones, but Drunken Cat is able to avoid them. A quick misdirect allows the Abbot to grab the bamboo pole, forcing Drunken Cat to call on the Hurricane Fist again. The Abbot does the same, and it's a contest of wills to see who's the bigger blowhard. Though the Abbot might be the more accomplished Kung Fu master, it's Drunken Cat who gets the early advantage and forces the game. The Abbot tries to retreat into the hut, but Drunken Cat is on him quickly, and we get a very close quarter battle that's fraught with tension. The exchanges are slow and methodical, but you always feel like the rubber band is about to snap at any moment. The Abbot swings his blade around and actually collapses the hut around him and on top of Drunken Cat. Thinking him dead, the Abbot allows himself a smile, only to see Drunken Cat pop out from under the thatch and bound away. The Abbot gives chase, and we see a little bit of the Wuxia wire work with both characters gliding through the air for a bit before landing. Drunken Cat takes a quick swig of wine as the Abbot approaches, but instead of drinking it, he spits it out into the Abbot's eyes, blinding him momentarily. As he staggers back, Drunken Cat thrusts a blade into his heart and ends the fight. The very last scene of this film has Golden Swallow riding off with all her business settled, and from a hilltop overlooking the scene, we see Drunken Cat with his street urchins watching her ride away. As one of the earlier films of the Shaw Brothers' legacy, this film is quite different, but it's easy to see its influence on the films to come. The action is meticulous and tightly choreographed, without the frenetic dynamism that swept the kung fu craze of the 70s and 80s, but it's stylistically beautiful and broke lots of ground in its time. There weren't a lot of cutaways and quick edits, so you got to watch the characters plan out their moves, and you're right there with them. The fight scenes were often reminiscent of samurais holding firm and sizing up their opponents before a quick exchange of attacks, and then back to a reset to work out the next moves. King Hu infused lots of Peking opera staging, and it lent a grand, sophisticated feel to all the characters and scenes. This film is available on Netflix right now in the original Cantonese, so set aside some time and catch up on this classic for a look at one of the films that set the stage for all the classics to come after it. For a while back in 2007, there were rumors of a remake from the Weinsteins with Quentin Tarantino helming. That probably would have been amazing, but sadly nothing ever came of it. Okay gang, that's going to do it for this week. As always, hit me up on Twitter at KungFuDrivein, same on Instagram or on Facebook, or just drop me an email at KungFuDrivein at gmail.com. 
I recently got a bunch of new listeners thanks to the Sharp Brothers Universe and one of their reps, Emily, for shouting me out on Instagram and Twitter, so welcome to all you new listeners. A few shout-outs to some of my favorite podcasters out there. Sushi Jackknife, The Kenny Ho Show, Ice in the Face, The Guys at the Something Something Cast, Three is Comedy, The 1980s Movie Graveyard, The Mockers Podcast, The Secret Transmission Crew, Girl FM Cast, The Grind Bin, Cult 45, and honestly... There are far too many out there that I enjoy to mention them all here, but if you're on Twitter and you check out the Potter and Family hashtag or go back and listen to the promo at the beginning of the show, I promise you will find a podcast that tickles your fancy, so give it a try and support all of us indie podcasters with a rating or review because that's our lifeblood, guys, and we really do appreciate it. Until next week, Poison Clan, peace. Some action, drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting. Ha! This time it's swamp. We smash the place up with a dragon claws. We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action. Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting. Ha! This time it's swamp. We smash the place up with a dragon claws. I see the iron fisted bunk upon the daily prayers. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea, roaming over the land. Yeah, the little bitch soldier is older than wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to raise jars. Fight for the cars, then pause here. Applause, not again. Back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but boards don't hit back. Yeah, the death jewels here, Derry D is coming back. The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster. The channel little drink because he is the drunken master. Once upon a time in China, Rosamund Kwan is real fine, but see Maggie show his spine off. Golden Swallow has arrived Chan Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight may as well pick a spot Yeah the sky goes black cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah Wing Chun Shaolin in the mantis style Yeah defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place up with a dragon claws See it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China, counting the TikTok The Shogun, Assassin's Lash and Blood are just did drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow, but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless, unleashed The fist of legend that the car gently I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we getting drunk and then we're fighting